0: Hello, and welcome once again to episode 28 of Code Completion. My name is Dimitri, and I'm continuing our Host Spotlight series to talk with Spencer about how he got started in development, what he's currently uh, working on lately, and everything in between. So since it's just us today, uh, Indie App Spotlight, Complete the Code, and Compiler will be back next week. So before we get started with this week's episode of Code Completion, uh, this episode is brought to you by Super Easy Timer. Super Easy Timer is a quick and easy to use timer app for your Mac. It's completely te- text-based, so you can type in English what you want, 20 minutes or 5 p.m., hit Enter, and instantly start a timer. The timer understands English text to create, update, or start a new timer. You can quickly change an active countdown, even while it's counting down. There are simple key uh, board shortcuts to reset or pause. No menus, no sliders. Just use English to control your timer. Um, and this app works great if you're doing like a Zoom presentation, And things like that. Or if you're teaching a class and you need to take a quick break. Excellent app for that uh, use case. So we want to thank Super Easy Timer for sponsoring our show. Search for Super Easy Timer on the Mac App Store today to give it a try. So, Spencer, how did you get into development?
1: Oh, man. Um, Yeah, I got into development by um, dropping out of college.
0: (laughs) An excellent first start. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I know. Right. I, um, I was going to college originally to get, um, basically, uh, let me back up here. Um, ever since about high school, like my junior year in high school, I, I started getting into, um, like a lot of, uh, digital media. So going into, um, you know, video production classes, those were kind of my favorite classes uh photography classes and so like all of my electives uh in high school went to you know some sort of digital media uh creation and that was kind of my plan uh through high school and i was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go to to college for uh my bachelor of fine arts in you know some some digital media or another whether it was you know cinematography photography whatever um and I went to college for a semester and it was, it was good. Um, although I, I kind of realized that, uh, I wasn't as good as I thought I was, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> I, I remember very distinctly my, my, um, it was my drawing one class and I, um, I kind of specifically wanted to go into digital media cause I have a shaky hand. I'm not very good at, you know, just like normal, you know, artsy art. Um, and I just got absolutely ravaged the first time we had a, um, I, I want to call it like a code review, but it's not, it's like, you know, like a review of everyone's drawing for whatever that, that unit of work was, right. We'd stick all the posters up and, and walk around and, and talk about what was good and bad with, you know, each, each, uh, each person's drawing. And, um, I, you know, I got destroyed and that was okay. I, you know, I, I took it kind of hard at first, but that ultimately helped me realize, like, mm, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe I enjoy this stuff, but I don't necessarily uh, know if I could make a career out of this. Uh, mm-hmm. So I ended up taking a taking, you know, finishing the semester, and I was like, okay, I'm I'm going to take a break. I need to figure out what I need to do. And my plan was just to take a break and most likely come back to college doing something else, changing kind of what my focus was um you know as my only i was only one semester so i hadn't really started a major per se um and then uh, right around that time it was um about christmas time uh, my cousin um who lives really close to me um and my family was like hey there's this this thing called a boot camp um let's let's go to it and it's for for programming i was like all right. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um I, you know, have always been interested in computers. My dad bought me a computer when I was like three years old just to like get me going on it. And I probably attribute, you know, uh, loving computers so much to it just being a part of my life,
0: mm-hmm.
1: my entire life. Where, you know, uh, back in the 90s, that wasn't the case for everyone. Not everyone had like a personal computer it was like a one family computer, but I had one in my bedroom and it didn't really do anything, but I would get on and, and use it. And that was always just fun to me, but it never really clicked to me like, oh, hey, I should start programming um, until, you know, my cousin was like, hey, let's let's go to this boot camp. And I was like, OK, sure, whatever, you know, and, and he wanted to do iOS development. And I was like, great. I love iPhones. I love um You know, we've we had had Max in in our family for a fair amount of time at that point. We um, had kind of switched over and I was like, great, let's let's do it. You know, I didn't really expect much out of it. I expected it to be like, it's a 12 week course. That's great. I'll go for that. And then maybe I'll, you know, pick up with college after that. Um, so I went to the course, it was Dev Mountain, um, a bootcamp here in Utah. Um, so I moved up to Salt Lake for a few months. Um, the, the funny part about that was it was my cousin and he had talked to me and my other cousin about going, and then he, he bailed basically. And he left me and my other cousin to, (laughs) to go uh, do, yeah, no, for real. He was like, yeah, let's totally do, you know, he's psyching us all up and then he, he bailed on us. So mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of, kind of funny. Um, but I went through the course, uh, me and me and my other cousin, uh, and we, you know, we, we finished and then um, I I thought it was a great experience. You know, I, I think that's maybe why later on, I ended up getting into to teaching was because I had, um, ultimately, a, a good enough experience to where, you know, I, I, did go from zero programming knowledge to, um, you know, a a basic understanding of, of iOS development. Of course, you don't learn a ton in 12 weeks, but you, you know, I learned enough to put an app on the app store and I thought that was super cool and it was motivating to me, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and so a few weeks, a few, yeah, I can't remember if it was a few weeks or a month or so later, um, I got a message in, in our Slack group that was like, Hey, um, do you want to come in potentially inter, do you want to come in for an interview to teach, uh, uh, basically help out as sort of like a mentor at Dev mountain. And so I went in and, uh, I didn't, that was really kind of my first like adult interview, um, mm-hmm. which was super scary because it was, um, you know, the kind of the, I guess, uh, director of the program and, um, one of the teachers of my program, Andrew Madsen, you know, and I, I basically had to prove that I had learned things <laughs> in the last three months <laughs> of the final teaching test. me. Yeah, for real. It was, mm-hmm. you know, it was nerve wracking and, uh, somehow I, I got the job. <laughs> I'm not, to be honest, I'm still not sure to this day. Um, I, I feel like I bombed the interview, um, But I got the job and so I started working there as a mentor, which meant really um, I would be teaching these two, two and a half, three hour uh, lessons on some concept that I, you know, ultimately learned not too long ago. And it was a really uh, interesting experience because I was essentially forced to know this stuff, right? You can't really teach anything uh, that you don't know a little bit more than yeah you start to
0: question that. everything like did i explain that correctly is it like completely different did i just parrot something that's completely wrong uh and you start yeah. double double thinking yourself at every step so it right, really does exactly you. hmm
1: you're gonna teach you know about i don't know variables or strings or something you need to know that much plus a little more because people are going to ask questions about hey what if you use it like this or whatever and so uh, i feel like that forced me to grow up and learn maybe faster than i would have on my own if i was just doing um you know just writing apps on my own on the side so uh Mm. i feel like that was a really cool experience and and i ended up working there for about two years um in, in kind of various capacities from, you know, being a mentor to like, kind of going up and, and leading the mentors and everything. And it was, ultimately, that wasn't the thing that really mattered. The leading part, it was just, I was teaching every day. And that mm-hmm. uh, one was fun, because I really enjoyed teaching. But two, again, I also was able to really not continue to learn much per se, but it was uh, getting a, a more solid foundation of, Of everything that was taught. It was like I was going through the course again, but I was also learning new ways to use all of these concepts and, you know, getting experience from answering questions about how would you use whatever in whatever situation? I'm like, oh shoot, I haven't even thought about that. Let's, let's figure it out or whatever it was. It was a great way for me to, uh, kind of solidify that foundational knowledge that, you know, isn't particularly, deep or hard by most people's standards, but it was something for me to, yeah, to just get a better foundation on and feel more comfortable, uh, with these concepts, I suppose, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm.
0: And not to mention you were very close to the students experience as well. Um, like just not, not too long ago being a student yourself. So it allows you to kind of see things from their point of view. Um, And one thing that I had a lot of difficulty when I started teaching, like you're more of a senior teacher than I am uh, just because you've been doing it longer. Um, And Mm. when I first started, like it was hard for me to find at what level to explain something because I know it at five different levels, but the students don't necessarily know (laughs) any of those foundations. So none of what I said could make any sense. Whereas when you do, have a relatively recent like memory of learning it yourself you know exactly where the student is and you can really guide them uh the most effective way um or you can at least divert them while you build up enough time to kind of get that foundation that you really need yourself so that way you can explain it because just because you have tons of experience doesn't mean mean you know like how actually how something actually works right
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I don't honestly consider myself a good teacher, but I do feel like that was one thing that I was able to kind of bring to the table was like that perspective of being a student. I know how it feels like I know what they're going through, not just on like a, a knowledge level, but like emotionally, you know, if you're doing this every day, whether it's at Dev mountain, whether it's at Lambda school where I taught after, after I left Dev mountain, um, I, you know, I was in that experience. I know exactly what it feels like emotionally as well as, you know, on a on a level of can I even grok everything that's being thrown at me? So I felt like that was kind of an advantage for sure that maybe I didn't really uh, fully understand or even think about until a little bit after the fact when it came into play where, um, like you, you guys, uh, Dimitri, Fernando, Ben um everyone like that you know at lambda school you guys obviously have way more experience than i do um and not to say that you you're bad teachers at all by any means but yeah it was it's definitely i felt like i could get a little bit more of a a, an easier perspective view their perspective if that makes sense i'm not really sure if i'm i'm explaining Mm -hmm. that well
0: no definitely Um, and it's interesting, you, you kind of took a bootcamp to learn about development and you ended up more a teacher, uh, than a developer. Um, and as like an analogy, I also went to college and I feel like I kind of bailed on my initial, uh, plans there. I was going to go into computational physics, uh, with all the grandioseness that that entails. Um, and I was immediately nearly failing all my physics classes. Um, I pivoted to math, didn't do so well in that. Um, and then realized like linguistics was a thing and that was super easy compared to the physics and the math and it allowed me to finish my degree like in no time at all so I just took that but that's essentially bailing on what I initially went there for um, and I ended up finding something that I didn't even know was a thing and became super passionate about um, Mm -hmm. to an extent Uh, so like for you you went into a boot camp to learn about development Um, And you ended up being a teacher. Is that something that you thought you would ever uh, end up being? Or did it just kind of fall, fall in your lap in a way?
1: Yeah, I think uh, for, I think in a, in a lot of ways, it did just kind of fall into my lap where, um, you know, I I don't know, I was like 21 when it happened. I didn't really have much of a plan. I don't, in general, I'm not much of a planner, but And who does um, at that age? (laughs) <laughs> to <Yeah>. be clear. <laughs> and yeah, and even still it's like uh I don't know what I'm really doing here, but anyway, <laughs> that's, that's besides the point. Um I yeah, I I think that um I I was doing it because it was paying money and it was like paying good money cuz I never really made that much money as an adult. It wasn't that much uh to be clear as as like a mentor in that first job, but um I was able to move out and get an apartment and have this experience that I had never really had before. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were multiple times where um, throughout that job, whoever my boss was at Dev Mountain, they were kind of like, uh, yeah, you should probably start looking for another job because we want you to get a real developer job and kind of experience that developer life instead of just kind of hanging around here, and You're I was like, "Nah,
0: I'm good." This, this is this. Yeah, I get that,
1: and I kind of brush it off, and then you know that would happen another few months down the line. Um, so that wasn't clearly my. Well, it was, I guess, my intention to to stay as a teacher because I enjoyed it, mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't necessarily. And you built that up of experience doing it, right? Like the more you yeah, got, the better and, I felt...
0: and better you got at it.
1: Yeah, I felt like really the only downside of it was um, I was staying in those fundamentals, which wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but I also wasn't learning anything outside of those fundamentals. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I guess that wasn't really my plan. I didn't really have a plan to begin with, but I also don't think that um, it. I would try to do it the same way if I could, uh, because I think one part of me wanting to stick to teaching for as long as I did was that it was for me supremely fulfilling, uh, to even be a very small part of someone's uh, growth as a developer in getting a career in hopefully finding a passion, right? Like I did, uh, I didn't think it would be a passion. Um, now looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, I've always kind of liked this kind of stuff. I don't know why I didn't try this earlier. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's something that I absolutely love, and it's not just a job it's a it's a passion for me. I do stuff on the side and everything, uh if only just for fun but um being a part of that for someone else and seeing like the light bulb moments and seeing them be like, "Oh, I understand what whatever is is so cool because I just remember I was right there, not even that long ago at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I, I'd say, well, yeah, I hope that answers the question.
0: So what pushed you to keep learning about more advanced uh, topics since you were kind of at this comfortable zone um, and you're getting better and better at teaching those fundamentals, um, which, to be clear, like being able to teach something and being an expert in something are two very different things. You don't need to be mm-hmm. an expert in something to teach something really well. Yeah, um, Especially Especially if, if you get good at that. Um, and being one does not necessarily mean you're going to be excellent at the other um, mm-hmm. so I, I do want everyone to understand that because it's very easy to say like those who can't do teach like that's the big thing that everyone loves to kind of uh, parrot. it um, unfortunately about teachers but teachers do a lot of work to make it seem seamless to be able to teach properly um, and they deserve a lot of credit for that <laughs> and you don't ever realize that until you teach uh, on your own and then you realize how hard it is Um, so I guess going back to my question, what is it that pushed you to kind of, uh, go beyond what you knew, um, and start adding on, uh, those high, those lower level concepts, I guess, uh, that you initially glossed over.
1: Mm -hmm. I think part of it was just that I, not, I wasn't getting bored per se, but I was just, I I think I came to that realization of there is so much out there in this wide, vast expanse that is, programming and ios development that i haven't even you know i've really just scratched the surface um and so there were there were days in um in the boot camp whether i was teaching or whether i was in it it was like hey this is like a very cursory introduction into x framework right or x topic Mm -hmm. and we would have guests come in that were like hey i'm gonna teach you about uh core graphics or whatever it was and and that was always super cool um but it was just this taste, right? It was just this one taste of we're going to talk about this one thing. Um, but it, it left me wanting more, I suppose. And so that's when I started venturing out. And what I ended up doing, and uh, honestly, what I still end up doing in my own personal work is uh, I don't really... my My goal when I'm writing an app is more than anything to learn something. It's not mm-hmm. to make... A ton of money. I'm not going out and being like, I'm going to sell this for for five bucks, and I'm going to make a ton of money. You know, like you're not that's building not my a business, plan. you're
0: learning something.
1: Yeah, and to be honest, like the business oriented side of things has never interested me whatsoever. Like, I don't really want to build a business. That sounds like a ton of work. I'd rather just you know write code and learn stuff. I guess. So mm. whenever I'm I'm writing something, it's always like kind of um, okay. I want to learn cloud kit or i want to learn whatever it is swift ui um i'm going to build an app with whatever in mind uh or with that in mind what can i build to essentially leverage that make it essentially fun for me to learn it because if i'm just like following tutorials i'm like cool now now what it's it's sort of that mm-hmm. that tutorial hell that we we often hear about um so what i found to kind of help me get around that was to build something that I wanted even if it was just for myself like for example um, the first Mac app that I built was super simple it's pretty broken right now I haven't looked at it in like years or anything but um, I wanted to learn how to make a Mac app because I was like oh sweet uh, you know I can do iOS apps why not leverage this language and as more or less a lot of the frameworks that are on iOS on macOS uh, and I wanted to learn app kit and everything so it was this this app to you give it a bunch of of urls of you know files in in whatever directories and it would pile them all together so i think it was when i was like cleaning out a bunch of old external hard drives and i had photos and videos from a bunch of sd cards and everything and they were all in separate folders
0: mm-hmm. you give
1: them those folders you say pull those out into a single folder and it would kind of consolidate them into one place for you and i thought that was mm-hmm. super fun Um it's not hard yeah, it's a it's useful just, you tool know, yeah it's like using file manager and that's it. It's not anything crazy. The UI is terrible and everything, but it was, it was something that motivated me to learn, Hey, uh, how do, you know, how does this interface builder work in, in macOS in, in Xcode for Mac OS? Cause it looks way different. How do mm-hmm. you, know, uh, tables work, how do NSLs work and everything. So all of that kind of stuff was a fun, it, it is a fun way for me to learn stuff. So I, uh, a while ago, I can't remember, I, I don't know if I can find it here quickly, but I just made like a list of all of my personal projects just to see how many I had. And it was something like 11 that were just sitting there unfinished, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, I do them and I learn the thing enough to where I'm satisfied and I, I generally drop them. But um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, just.
0: And, and to circle circle around that too the apps that are the most useful and that tend to be the most successful in the end are always start off as tools that a developer needed for themselves. Um, If you start off like making an app as like a business venture purely, it can be successful, but you might be short-sighted in how it is useful to others because you are not really building something that's useful to any one customer, meaning yourself. You're trying to just mm-hmm. like, oh, what would be nice? What would people want? Um, and that's one way to go about it, but it's a lot easier to start the other way around where you're trying to build something for yourself and then it happens to get to a point where all it needs is a bit polished to give to others um, and it can help them too. Um, so if any budding developers out there, um, if you wanted to like uh, break into app development, try to think about what kind of tools you need for yourself um, and what kind of apps would help you in various uh, different situations, rather than trying to think about what's that next million-dollar app um, and kind of starting from there, because uh, it it's difficult to kind of hit strike gold in one go. Whereas if you slowly, little by little, build something out, uh, then you'll build a business around it, and you won't even put all that much effort into building that business part. You'll just be putting the effort into building something that helps you do something um, and hopefully saves you time doing it um, and then just polishing it up for others to be able to use.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So you uh, got your first job. Um, I assume you were fairly close to the teacher. uh, So that way they wanted you to be part of their team in a way. Um, Is that, is that fair to say, or was that like your first interaction with, uh your then teacher at that point is like, oh, I never even spoke up in class and I'm being hired.
1: Yeah, it, it was a little interesting because uh, the way that it worked was uh, in that interview when there were those two people in, in the room, it was Andrew Madsen, who was one of the instructors at that time when I was a student, we had mm-hmm. instructor like a different instructor every day of the week. So they'd mm-hmm. come in and, and give their lesson and everything. Um, so he was one of those instructors. So, you know, I saw him once a week. The other guy was, um, Caleb Hicks, who was kind of the director, um, and who ultimately was the one that kind of interviewed me or that, Mm -hmm. that offered me the interview. And so what happened was he sort of, you know, I did the interview, he gave me the job and he's like, okay, peace out. I'm going to, I'm moving on to a different part of the company. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay. So then Andrew Madsen became my boss. Um, and that's that, I mean, that alone, uh, has sort of set up my entire career really where, um, I, I worked with him for two years at Dev mountain. It was awesome. He, he was a great boss. Um, I learned a ton from him. He kind of became like this, this mentor for me where, you know, I, if I was working on a personal project, he'd, you know, take time to look at it or give me some advice and everything. And that was super cool. And he didn't have to do that. That definitely wasn't, you know, a part of his job or anything. Um, And then um, Caleb had moved on to a different part of the company. Then he moved over to help uh, kind of grow Lambda School. Um, And so he then poached Andrew Madsen to start the iOS program there. Um, And then a few months later, Andrew Madsen poached me to also... (laughs) Help start the, the iOS program to become an instructor there. So essentially, doing the same job, different title, same job, teaching every day. So I was like, "Sweet, that's let's do it." And I got paid more, so that was awesome. Um, uh, so yeah, and then I worked there, um, and uh, for for about two years, two and a half years, I can't remember. Um, andrew madsen left uh to work at luma touch uh as like an engineer and stuff and i <laughs> i remember he said like um you know i just right before he got kicked out of the slack it was like his last day or whatever i said you know hey thanks thanks for everything that you did and, like i really do attribute pretty much my entire career and all of my jobs to him and and caleb so it was you know um it was sad to see him go somewhere else. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just thanked him real quick. And then he, he, he shot back something like, well, let me know when, you know, you're, you're done teaching, teaching and you want to be a real developer or something like that. And, you know, <laughs> we're, we're like, I don't think he meant anything bad by it. He was just like, Hey, you know, let me know. And being I'll, cheeky I'll keep him. you in mind for another job. Yeah, exactly. He was just mm-hmm. being cheeky. Um, and then, um, at Lambda school, when they started, um, to lay off a a few employees and stuff. I was one of them. um, And luckily I was able to stick around long enough that um, at the time of getting sort of the announcement that I was gonna get laid off, I still stayed there for like six months or something. It was kind of a a weird setup. Anyway, um, during that time, LumaTouch was able to be ready to hire someone. And so I was able to, get an interview there again because of Andrew Madsen, uh, and sort of, and be with him again at another company. So this is round three with him. Um, so yeah. What was your original question? (laughs) Sorry.
0: (laughs) Well, it it just goes to show you that like, it's who, you know, right. Um, like totally, uh, in this field, if you know someone that's your, that's your foot in the door, uh, no matter what door. Uh, so it's it's so tremendously important to kind of build up uh, the number of people that you've collaborated with that you've spoken with, go to mm-hmm. events whether they are meetups that are local or big um, meetups like WWDC, which can be expensive. So if you can't afford it, don't. Um, but yeah, uh, and nowadays everything is more and more virtual. There's the iOS Happy Hour. Uh, that happen once every month and I I always seem to miss them uh, which I kick myself for because it seems like everyone has such a good time during those Um, and I really like the way they do it where they like separate out um, into smaller breakout rooms which it's always like hard as an introvert at these big um, at these big um, um, meetups and uh, things like that to start talking like you might sit at the edge of a circle and listen into an entire conversation but there's Mm -hmm. you don't really know any of them and they didn't know any of each other either uh but they kind of start talking first before you kind of walked by and got interested by what they're saying um and it's hard to kind of again get your foot in that door uh so i really like how they set up those meeting rooms where you don't know any of these people they're all strangers but you get to know each other very quickly um and you've instantly made uh, new friends. So, definitely, 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 take advantage of the highly remote times that we're in. Uh, to yes. take advantage of that, um, and meet people because you don't know when, you don't know when it's going to be opportune. Like, I don't want to say it as like in a predatory way. As like, you want to do this just for your potential future no, job. Totally. There's more opportunities than just just work uh, to get out of things like this. Um, but they can be tremendously beneficial.
1: Yeah, it's, it's so true. And (laughs) my dad's so funny because he's, um, he's like a salesman. He's, he's also very introverted like me, but he kind of learned that you do have to do those things like the, the necessary evil of, of networking with people and, and, you know, talking with people as much as you may not want to do it at the time. uh, He would always, always tell me like from a way early age, like, you know, middle school age, like it's who, you know, so it's, it's funny that mm-hmm. you brought that up because he would just, he will always talk about that as soon as any job related thing comes up. And luckily, like you said, in the, in the time that we're in now, it's so nice that we can network on Twitter. Like you can just start following people and being like, Hey, um, uh, like I've messaged a couple people on Twitter where I use their, uh, open source library. And I was like, Hey, I, I messaged them on Twitter and I'm like, Hey, I really appreciate you doing this or whatever. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be anything big. Um, just like those iOS happy hours are awesome. Um, if you've got like a cocoa heads, uh, near you when the world returns to normal, like go to those, um, those are great ways to, to network and get to know people. And like Dimitri said, it's not all about trying to get a job and be all predatory about it. But it's like getting to know cool people. Like I think one of the coolest things that has happened from networking was all of us working at Lambda School and eventually being like, hey, we all like each other enough to, you know, uh, build this podcast and build, um you know, trying to build a community around um, teaching and, and sharing our experiences and everything. So uh, you never really know what's going to happen. And mm-hmm you know, the more people, you know, even just maybe by passing, they could be the ones that um internally are like, Hey, I'm, I've got this great person that would be awesome for this job. You never know. So don't, I, I would say as like an introvert myself, I don't necessarily go out of the way to be overly friendly and not be myself, but just, or and you don't you know, have to, be. but I, j- exactly. You just be yourself. And if you're passionate about what you're doing if you're you know you love what you're doing you're you're trying to uh share what you love just tweet hey i learned this this great thing about vapor on on twitter or whatever you'll you'll kind of naturally find people that um like the same things as you and they're like oh you know what i love vapor as well or or whatever it is and you'll get to know people that way for sure and I'm by no means the the best one at that at all. I, I again like I said I don't really try too often um, mm-hmm. but it's it's not as scary maybe as it may seem when you're starting out you have no experience no one knows you um, I mean no one really knows me either and that's okay. I'm not trying to become famous or anything uh, but just getting you know getting yourself out there and, and talking to people and being excited about this thing that we're doing that we're all excited about that is, you know, constantly evolving is, is something that you can share and, and be excited about together, I suppose.
0: Hashtag make Spencer famous.
1: (laughs) No, I'm okay. (laughs) That's, that's quite all right. I don't want to be famous.
0: Um, so on the topic of not being famous, uh, what was the first app that you published to the app store? I'm sure it's made millions by now, right?
1: Oh, not the first app. Um, (laughs) it's. It's the classic task app. So mm-hmm. fell into that one. Um, it was just a task app. I think its its main kind of cool feature was that you could basically just have like geofenced locations uh, or re- reminders going off before that was actually a part of the reminders app. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't last very long in the app store. I took it off promptly because it was not very good. It was one that I built when I was a student. So it was very, very basic, like two views and, you know, a very, very shoddy constraints and everything. So it was not, not particularly good. Mm
0: -hmm. And you currently have an app on the app store, correct?
1: I do currently have an app on the app store. It's, uh, been in long, um, it's yes it's been long needing an update and I've been working on it on the side, but it's, um, again, it was one of those passion projects where I was like, you know what? I, I think it was, can't remember exactly what made me want to do this. I don't think it was learning a specific framework or anything, but I was getting into, um, like, Oh, it was, I had just gotten iPad pro, um, mm-hmm. and the Apple pencil and everything. So I started doing a lot of drawing and, Uh, a lot of like i tried to start doing like pixel art um because i i really like you know like 8-bit looking old video game art type of thing and people do crazy stuff on on with it um and one thing that i noticed was they would always have this very um i don't know how to describe it like this very pleasing like gradient of colors but because it's it's you know um 8-bit art you you can't do this like very straight gradient it's kind of got to be in steps and so uh, it's called a color ramp as far as I know and that's um, Mm -hmm. what my app is called it's called ramps Um, so you know you break down like the the two and uh, or the the starting and ending color down into as many parts as you want kind of evenly and it creates this ramp Um, so the app was to do that um, you know save your color ramps and everything and uh, make it so that you could save them load them and then tap the color, each, each of the colors, and it would copy it to your clipboard. So you could have it in like split screen mode, uh, and throw it into your drawing app and kind of make your palette in there and then get rid of it. You don't have to have it open. Um, mm-hmm. that was, that was kind of the whole idea behind it. Um, and it's, you know, uh, I put it on the app store for, I think a dollar 99. Um, and it surprisingly gets sales, which is uh, yeah, it's surprising that said, it doesn't get a ton. Like I said, I'm not trying to make a business out of this or anything, but, uh, it almost always every year will pay for my developer subscription of $99. So I'm happy with that. Um, it is in desperate need of, of an update and I've kind of essentially revamped the whole thing. Um, I think the last time I really updated it was when the iPhone 10 came out to support, um, you know, uh, safe areas and everything. So, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's not in, in great shape now. It is very much in need of an update, but, um, that's, that's what I have on the app store currently. It's not a great showing, but you know, I, yeah, I guess with, you know, either the teaching job or the now normal developer jobby job, um, I haven't, had enough time to work on it. Um, I've taken a few days off a couple times to really like sit down and, and, you know, bang out as much as I could, but it's not quite there. So eventually I'll, I'll get an update, but, um, at the moment it's still just kind of shambling along in its state of 2017 or so. So.
0: Oh, I, I know the feeling of letting apps sit there, especially as, you are either mentally grinding away or like physically typing away code that will eventually overhaul it. Um, in my case, uh, time won, and Apple like took the app out of the store uh, for like, this hasn't been updated forever. It was actually 64-bit compatible, so it wasn't part of that purge. It was part of the just, this has been sitting here forever purge. Um, so always fun. Fun fact, yeah. the free version of the same app still available only available (laughs) on
1: 32-bit oh interesting that's weird yeah the the app store works in mysterious ways Um, yeah i mean it's one thing to have like you know like i said i have like nine or ten or so side projects and it's like it's all good because they're not released but the one that's there i feel a ton of guilt about not updating so there's that responsibility (laughs) out in the world yep there's the responsibility
0: Since you mentioned you have your jobby job taking up a bunch of your time, you have this podcast which is taking up 90% of your remaining time. Um, If you had unlimited time to just do anything, um, is there anything in particular that you would love to dive into, whether that's development or not development?
1: Yeah, um, I think, like I said, development really has become like a hobby. And so I think I'd spend a fair amount of time working on my side projects and getting a bunch of them done. Like I like the app just needs to be updated so I can feel a little bit at peace with that. But I'll also, I I've got a couple side projects that I'd love to just finish up as well, just for the sake of having completed code. Um, mm-hmm. it, this is code completion after all, <laughs> um, got to complete the code, got to complete the code. I'm not doing it right now. It's bad. I'm just sitting on the, on the, um, on the, uh, the code completion. I don't know the the autocomplete. Whatever. Um, that was a bad joke. <laughs> um, aside from that, um, I, I kind of really like computer hardware and just kind of messing with that kind of stuff. So, um, the the guys on the podcast know. I bought a um, a shell of a Macintosh Plus that was completely stripped. It was just the the front and the back of it. Um, and I'm planning on putting a computer in it and, um, well, the computer's done and it's hackintoshed already. I just need to kind of build a frame for it. So doing stuff like that is fun. Um, now that I have a house and stuff, you know, trying to even just hang paintings and stuff would be nice and, you know, just kind of make my house more of a house and stuff. So, um, but a lot of, I think what I do would be just working on my own side projects, code projects and yeah, just feeling like I, I'm finishing something because I just start a bunch of projects and never finish them. So, There's
0: nothing wrong with that. Yeah, um, yeah, and 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 you mentioned you initially went to school for art and arts and creative um, endeavors, uh, and that you got an iPad to draw on it. Have you mm. continued uh, doing art uh, since then?
1: Not really. Um, I think it has been nice. Uh, I really was leaning a little bit more towards like the um the cinematography like I, I learned final Cut pro in high school and that was awesome i loved um i loved shooting but I loved editing um so it's nice like for real uh, like I took on editing the podcast because I actually enjoy doing that like it's um between that and just development in general is it's a lot more creative than I thought it would be when I started out. And so that I think has kind of filled that need, um, to be creative because it's, even though it's different, I'm not necessarily creating this digital art. It kind of is digital art in a way, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's very much different than that sort of, I suppose, the traditional, um, definition of it, but, um, you can implement designs, you know, um, well, if you've got a designer, but even in, in your own apps, you have to think about how do you design the app? How do you make a good user experience? So it's, to me, it's still very much fulfilling that, um, that craving of, uh, creating art in a way. So I, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like, yeah, you guess I guess in a different way, you're,
0: you're you creating art, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not in a exactly. pencil
0: and paper type of way, but still being yeah. creative
1: exactly and i never felt like that was what i wanted to do it was always something digital you know photoshop graphic design cinematography whatever it was on kind of that that side of things was was more what i was looking for just because uh like i said i i have a super shaky hand can't draw can't paint you know any of that stuff and and i can do command z art really hard
0: the the more i can command z and slowly perfect
1: that stroke then it looks perfect no one will ever know that's right, yeah. I'd rather, I'd much rather draw with core graphics and Bezier paths on <laughs> you know, on that kind of stuff than... It's like, <laughs> the, does this number look good? Command R.
0: No, okay. Does this number yep. look good? Command R. <laughs> it's a lot more repeat. forgiving. Yeah. It's like the olden days when you needed to wait for the render. You need to wait for the build and then you see what, what comes out, right? Yeah. Renders instantly, but you <laughs> still need to wait.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Have you... Um, have you ever watched like any corridor digital videos or do you know mm-hmm. who they are?
0: Yeah. They, that's the YouTube uh, channel that uh, makes a very surprising visual effects. Uh, kind of like sometimes they do like little commercials. Sometimes they do mm-hmm. uh, little montages, right?
1: Yeah. They'll do a bunch of, they do a bunch of stuff. They've got a ton of stuff kind of going on, but one of the things they do is like, they'll do like a visual artist react. Uh, thing Mm -hmm. and so they'll you know pull up movies or whatever justice league whatever but they pulled up um tron the the original tron and walked through the breakdown of how they did that it was just absolutely insane what uh like vfx artists had to do back in like the 80s the 90s just to get these very basic shapes on the screen and literally like you said having to sit there and wait for it to render for hours if not days for these very basic shapes that now we're like in swift ui and i think of 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 lynn's app that's got the all of the food in the walk and it's moving <laughs> as it's scrolling and it's like it's crazy all of the things that, Xcode hates can that do app. <laughs> that's uh, i believe it i believe it but
0: the the it's just one asset catalog that has all this artwork in it so anytime she makes one little change it's just a single threaded Xcode needs to recompile the entire asset catalog. It takes like a good two or three minutes. Um, yeah. Xcode yeah. is not happy with that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was talking to Andrew today about that cause we're both using Swift UI right now at work. And mm-hmm. he was saying that he was kind of looking into like how to make it compile faster. Cause it's both just destroying our, our work computers right now. Um, I and I guess it basically
0: M1s and M2s and M3s probably, right? Just, Come on Apple. Any, that's the only now. reason.
1: <laughs> just just for Swift UI. It's mm-hmm. the only thing that can handle it. There'll be a but Swift UI
0: coprocessor like, on it, right? Oh, that'll be amazing.
1: <laughs> but you were saying like it um it you it basically recompiles the entire app every time you make mm-hmm. a change and that's why it's so slow. So yeah. It'll be nice someday. so most
0: most developers don't know this but xcode before it switched to lldb uh used to have a feature called fix it was a little uh scotch tape icon in the toolbar um and basically you could go ahead and change code click the fix button it'll recompile that section and inject it into the running um app that you had like currently going this blew up like many many times uh depending on like how much you changed but if you're just tweaking like one or two little numbers it actually uh was quite handy because then you can like like you said before when you're uh drawing with Core Graphics you can very quickly see as your view redraws like the new um the new model of that um and Swift UI yeah. kind of does that if it can mm-hmm. so if you're just changing like a number that recompiles instantly basically and you can see that uh preview but the moment you uh, mess with the with the view hierarchy Uh, in any significant way then it has to recompile everything and that's your entire app yep hopefully some of that is cached not every not all of it is um but that like drastically slows down those previews once your app gets a significant uh size so it's almost easier uh to build your previews in isolation in a temp uh a temporary exit project just to kind of see it and get it going and then once you're happy with that you'll never use the preview again for that view um and that's Mm -hmm. that's fine um but it does it does test your ability to kind of isolate your code right because if if you're able to write uh, a view that you can just copy paste out of the project it's in into another that means that it's very reusable um and it's not tightly coupled to what you're doing or at least not tightly coupled in such a way where you can't just throw up a few dummy structs uh to get stuff going um so if you can program in that way it will speed you up but Again, that's like working
1: around the tool, uh, which never feels uh, right. Yeah. Even then, I and that's actually what I did to begin with, was putting it in a separate project and I was still chugging. And I was like, dude, this is a 2020 MacBook Pro. <laughs> like, come on. Or 2019, whatever the, the latest Intel one was. And, you know, it's like, this needs to be better. <laughs> even, you know, even when you turn off the canvas, and so it's, in theory, not rendering anything it still was a lot like even just editing the text was a lot slower and it i don't know i'm very excited to see what wwdc has and and hopefully there's you know version three of swift ui or whatever they're going to call it so that would be my hope for for wwdc i think the most so other than swift ui
0: 3.0 any other like wish list items that you'd like to see this year
1: just more iterations yeah more iterations on the M1 whatever the next M series chip is whether it's M1x M2 uh M1s whatever uh I think would be awesome uh not that I need one I'm honestly so happy with my MacBook Air it's you know it's not even funny how I was I was so worried about it when you know no one had reviewed it or anything and I bought it I was like am I going to regret this it's a MacBook Air, you know, I've never, I've, I've seen what MacBook Airs do on Intel and they're just so slow, but it's, it's blown me away uh, how crazy it is. So the M1 is, is awesome. And it just gives me so much hope for the future of development in general, being able to just make crazy awesome apps with really uh, much lower limits or much higher limits than even what we have nowadays. I mean, nowadays we have you know I'm never concerned about memory management or anything like that like I'm sure you had to way back in the day um, mm-hmm. but you know just being able to push things forward is, is just super exciting so
0: little incremental progress
1: yep except where when you go to Apple silicon then it's like oh hey we're just gonna blow <laughs> away everyone at, at 15 watts yeah which is it so happens cool. it does uh,
0: it's it, it gets us It gets everyone who's interested in technology excited because it's such a dramatic step forward that for the past 10 years, it feels like nothing has really been improving. Um, And it's nice to see sudden improvement um, in that regard. Um, So, yeah. Now, I I guess as a final question, uh, assuming uh, a solar flare hit the Earth, all technology instantly got fried doing what we do as software developers probably not going to be doable for like 10 years as we rebuild society or whatnot. Um, what do you take Mm -hmm. up next?
1: Oh my goodness. That is a terribly (laughs) tough question. (laughs) That that would be my worst nightmare. I honestly have no idea. Um,
0: this is Spencer thinking of his plan B. (laughs)
1: And I don't plan, man. I already, I went, I went over that. <laughs> I, I mean, if we're being whimsical here, not being realistic, I would mm-hmm, totally <laughs> become a, a book reviewer and I would just read all day just sit in my house, um, in probably in my basement. So it's cold and just read books and write reviews on paper and pencil and, have my hand cramp up every five seconds because I haven't used a pen and a pencil in years to any large extent. What's handwriting? (laughs) I know. Right. I, uh, yeah, I just watched the, or listened to the, the explain it slowly podcast, which you guys should definitely listen to by Dimitri and his wife. Fantastic. On, uh, what stenographers are, are, and I learned that they can type 300 words a minute, which is twice as fast as you can talk. That's crazy. I, I mean, it's all gibberish,
0: to be fair. Like, you look at that piece of paper, it's just random letters typed on that piece of paper. But it's fast. But it's intelligible <laughs>
1: to them. I mean, that's yeah. crazy. All joking aside. So, yeah, I, you know, I guess I'd Me- I'd have to find a typewriter that would probably be a hot commodity in, in that post-apocalyptic time and and write my reviews that way instead of using a pencil and paper.
0: I have one from the 1950s. I'll send it right over. <laughs> yes.
1: All right. How are you going to get it to me by horseback?
0: Um, I'm thinking turtle. That will be the new uh, the okay. new mode of transportation. Just load it back on its back, and then just wait. Hopefully, it yep. goes in the right direction.
1: <laughs> that sounds yeah. That sounds good. It's slow, but it's uh, it's reliable, I suppose.
0: <laughs> yeah, it gets there. The rabbit just gets distracted. Eventually. Same with the horse, but the, the turtle yep. it gets there. Or is it a tortoise? I might get the two animals confused. You might or may not see that typewriter.
1: <laughs> I guess we'll have to see. Let's let's not though, because that, that future would be uh insane to me. Yeah. I you know, growing up in an age where like I think I am probably the last or getting pretty close to the last generation that didn't that can remember remember a time without the internet. Uh knowing what it was then and and what it is now it's like i i never want to go back it's yeah i like technology i guess is what i'm trying to say
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's good that it moves ever forward um not to Mm. mention typewriters are hard to type on like i i have the the claw typing mechanism that like i didn't learn how to type properly i still can't Mm. type properly i still need to look at the keyboard because who to think that that's my job um that i need to type a lot um but yeah i i have the claw mechanism so i don't type fast so that like, yeah that but being able to type fast is a good good skill to have so if you have the opportunity if you if you're in high school like listening to this and you have the boring typing class um you probably had that earlier than high school i don't know i did uh yeah so uh, pay attention to that class don't do what i did and hold down the f key because that seems to trick the software into thinking <laughs> you're the fastest typist in the world. And the teacher doesn't know the software enough to be able to tell the difference. Um, so don't do that. Do do it properly. Learn yeah. how to type. You will thank yourself later. Because we type so much nowadays. And being good at it is useful.
1: Yep. Even if you're not a programmer. But especially Definitely. if you are.
0: Especially if you are. Um, so any piece of advice towards uh, budding programmers that are learning development now um, and want to get better?
1: I think writing code is the biggest thing. I had this this idea when we kind of first started writing the pod or doing the podcast and, and starting code completion in general, which was to to make a video on, on tutorial hell because I thought like that was what I saw students go through a ton before they came to whatever boot camp it was um they eventually you know went to the boot camp probably because they couldn't learn on their own or they didn't have as much success uh learning on their own as they as they wanted to which i don't blame them at all it's hard um you know it's you get to a point where you are either just Reading tutorials, watching videos on, you know, tutorial videos, whatever it is, or just reading books, and it's hard to apply that. But I think the thing that has helped me grow the most was getting out of um, just reading tutorials and writing my own code. And that isn't to say that tutorials are bad, but I just think that um, getting your fingers on the keyboard are so much better long term for your learning than reading about things it's, you know, in a theoretical sense, it's great to read about math, but if you're never actually doing math, you're not really going to understand the principles behind it. And, you know, you'll have, or at least what I had often was these like light bulb moments or like these aha moments where um, I'd maybe read something in this tutorial and be like, okay, I'm going to try to translate that into my own uh, app and try to figure it out, like the delegate pattern, for example, was probably like one of the Mm -hmm. first things that was so hard to me that I just couldn't wrap my mind around and then eventually write it enough that it just sort of clicks and you're like, I've got it. I I understand what's going on here. I understand this flow. Um, So I guess my advice would just be write code, um, just keep writing code use whatever resource you want. And that's great. Um, if you need to follow a tutorial to you know, learn about the delegate pattern, go for it. And then maybe after that, try to write a different app or a different part of an app uh, in a slightly different way using the delegate pattern again, but without instructions or whatever it is. Um, yeah, just keep writing code. And again, for me, what helped a ton was finding something that would be motivating me for me to write, not just... Hey, let's make it a, uh, you know, <laughs> a task app like I did. I, I wasn't interested in that. Um, it was an idea that my cousin had. Um, but making something that would be genuinely useful to me or interesting to me. So, um, you know, if um, I had a student that was like really into League of Legends and he wanted to make a League of Legends app, I was like, great. That's awesome. And he made this, you know, app where you can look up statistics about players and stuff. I don't care what it is. As long as you are um, passionate about it, that's going to give you the extra motivation when you are sitting at your, at your laptop or your computer and say, I'm tired. I want to go watch Netflix um, to, to keep writing code. So that yeah, was very rem- long winded.
0: That, that reminds me when I was a kid, um, I really loved playing Zelda in a Time on Nintendo 64 Nice. Um, and I loved reading the walkthroughs and the collections of all the items on like these janky websites that you could only access over uh, over um, dial-up. Um, so it took forever to load and all that. But like our Mac had iDVD, uh, and I was like, "This is the coolest thing ever! I can make a little interactive uh, yeah. like walkthrough app." Uh, that got burned to a DVD and then you put that in the DVD player and you can watch it. Um, and like, That's awesome I was interested you... in one thing. So I, I like put put the two things together. Now, it never went anywhere in particular, but it was something interesting to kind of work on. Um, so like Spencer said, I want to I double down on that. Find something that you want to build um, and build it for yourself because that will be all the motivation you need. If you don't know how to do something, you'll automatically figure out a different way to do it. Um, because you 'll have the drive necessary to plot down what those next steps are like part of tutorial hell is not knowing what 's the next step um whereas when you 're making something you know what the steps are um you just don't know necessarily how to do them but you 'll since you know what the step is you know how to what to look for and you 'll eventually find your way there um, and that's that 's how many developers kind of become professionals is by doing that enough times right just gotta rinse and repeat
1: yep so that's what the I job ends up being oh sorry no no definitely <laughs> I was just gonna say um, that's that's what the job ends up being right where mm-hmm. you, you have a, a a ticket in jira or whatever and it says hey go build this thing and you're like i have no idea how to do this um i'm doing that right to now <laughs> yeah to google ask your friends like whatever it is read a tutorial it's not going to be exactly what you want probably but you can adapt it and you can kind of figure it out from there
0: so as a final final question uh, you spent more time as an instructor than a developer proper. Um, if anyone wants to become a teacher in any capacity, do you have any advice for them?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. Um, I'd say if you want to, you know, become a teacher or uh, start a YouTube channel on on programming or whatever, I think the best thing again is just to be practicing it, like I said, at the kind of the start, you need to know more than you're going to teach about whatever subject it is. Otherwise, uh, it won't come out well. And I've had that happen to me many, many times. It's not like I am professing to be a a great teacher uh, by any means, but you need to be able to explain enough that it makes sense. And uh, like Dimitri brought up, you need to know what your target audience is. If you're making a YouTube channel, or you're teaching a bunch of senior level developers, uh, cater towards that audience. If you're teaching a bunch of people that are brand new to programming, obviously, you need to uh, have a mindset of how can I make this make sense to someone that has no prior knowledge of whatever, you know, I'm talking about. So introducing concepts uh, in a way that you can maybe make analogous to something else in their life right like the delegate pattern is you uh placing an order at a restaurant and it goes through this process like you would order at a restaurant or whatever it is um
0: you mean you didn't think about I, the delegates at the un as you're like this is why no, they named I, it the delegate pattern it's like why did they call it that it's, i know no one like has any personal experience with what a delegate like, oh is. yes like i'm very familiar concept. with
1: the u.n <laughs> yeah yeah and that's like the uh, only
0: the only idea of a delegate that i have outside of programming is like oh there are these people at the un that represent countries i guess
1: yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah exactly so uh, yeah i i think if you want to be a teacher yeah my two pieces of advice uh no more than you are trying to teach uh and figure out who your audience is uh just like if you're building an app you need to figure out who your target user is right and so you can sort mm-hmm. of cater towards that it's the same concept i suppose
0: so. yeah and don't let that hold you back like if you don't know if you're not a complete 100 percent professional on something don't let that hold you back from trying yeah um, it's oh, by yeah. trying that you're going to realize what you don't know uh and then you can double down on that and release a 2.0 like the the analogies continue uh between yep. these different fields
1: that's true. There were many, many times where, um, especially when I like very first started teaching, um, where I'd start explaining something and I'd have to say, uh, let me back up here and kind of try that again. That's mm-hmm. totally cool. Um, you're not gonna, no one is going to teach perfectly every single time. It's, it's very much a process and, um, and that's okay. You, and as like best- Dimitri said, go for it.
0: Oh, and it's it's best to be upfront about that, right? You don't want the student to be confused um, by you like saying it in three different ways. But if you say, let me retry that, then they're going to be mentally prepared to take it um, from a different point of view. Whereas they might try to glue those two points of view together and they're just incompatible because we as a teacher flubbed. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, And this is also a perfect chance for us to plug our friend and co-host, Fernando, who has started releasing a series uh, called Experience Kit, I believe. That's right. We didn't prepare this at all ahead of time, so I might get that wrong. Um, But it's a series of videos that start from different levels of knowledge. So it's starting from the very beginning, assuming you know nothing um, about networking, I believe, is the first like eps the first topic of the series uh and every episode that he releases kind of goes up a level um or down a level i don't know this uh, this high level and low level uh analogy has always confused me but high level is something that's easy low level is something that's hard uh right that's that's how you can think of it um so he goes down a level each time and explains in more detail about what's actually going on so um what you brought up spencer about having knowing your audience um this kind of ties into that a little by kind of separating it out um and i think wired does a very similar thing they do with with a variety of topics oh my Um, gosh and and the professional will explain to a kindergartner what it is that they do but then they'll slowly go up in uh, education level all the way up to someone that is at their exact same level and the conversation is completely different um, yeah, and it's it's fascinating whether you know about that topic or not. If you know about the topic, you can probably follow it along. But then, as soon as you don't know about that topic, once it reaches those higher levels, whether a PhD student or another professor in the field, you're lost uh, because yeah. you have no idea what they're talking about at at that point. It's a completely different. It's language. so
1: cool though, because like the the fundamental the underlying concept is the exact same, but the level of detail and how they explain it is different. Th- those videos are so cool. We should put those in the in the show notes.
0: Definitely. We'll, we'll be sure to, to look those up. So anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up?
1: No, uh, I appreciate you doing this, this one, Um <laughs> uh, it was cool to kind of, you know, talk about how I started. I think it's a little bit of an unconventional, um, way of getting into programming, but I think that is it. an unconventional way of getting into programming seems to actually be the norm whether Mm -hmm. in one way or another, it it seems to be unconventional. So um, appreciate you guys listening.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad to have you as always. So I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Um, Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Code Completion to know when new episodes get released. Uh, If you want to ask Spencer questions, he is at Spencer C. Curtis. That's S-P-E-N-C-E-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S on Twitter. Uh, So be sure to make him famous. Hashtag make Spencer famous. (laughs) Please don't. (laughs) Um, And uh, if you want to follow me, my name is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Bunyol. That's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L on Twitter. Um, And we'll both see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Do you need to take care of your thumb? I notice it's bleeding.
1: Yeah, I th- I think it's done now. I'm good. Okay. I uh you got someone who knows at one point. And then... I know, I know. <laughs> I have a bad habit of just like playing with whatever's on my desk and I have this knife <laughs> that I kind of stab myself with. Uh the the dangers of being a developer. <laughs> at <home>. I know. <laughs>
0: and the safety of a chair, right? <laughs>